Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writingexcuses. Season 16. Episode 18. This is Writing Excuses, Poetry and the Fantastic. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dan. I'm Amal. And I'm Howard. 
And we're all fantastic. Yes, we are. Uh, This is the final episode in our eight-part poetry masterclass with Amal. And she's going to bring us around to a a coda, I believe. Yes. So throughout the series, we have talked about um, ways to approach poetry to make it less scary. Uh, We've talked about differences between poetry and prose. We've talked about... um, strategies and approaches for writing poetry, appreciating poetry, structuring poetry, um, and some of the failure modes that can come from those things. But what I'd really like to talk to you, uh, talk about rather in this last episode is just how inseparable to me uh, poetry and the genre in which I love writing, you know, science fiction and fantasy are. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about the fantastic more broadly to incorporate, you know, multiple elements and and facets of our genre. But I also just want to say that these things are not separate in my head. They are so often um, absolutely married to each other. Uh, And I wanted to just kind of dive into the the whys and wherefores of that a little bit. So, um, There is a quote by T.S. Eliot that I often refer to, uh, and the quote specifically is that, uh, discussing poetry, the poet must become more and more comprehensive, more elusive, more indirect, in order to force, to dislocate, if necessary, language into his meaning. So I like to take that quote and break it, essentially, um, do unto it, as T.S. Eliot uh, says the the poet does in general. Um, and, uh, And I like to say, to recall it as that poetry breaks or dislocates, if necessary, language into its meaning. And I think about this a lot because of the way that I was raised with poetry, um, I, uh, so my family is from Lebanon and Syria. Um, I was born in Canada, but my parents were born in Lebanon. And, uh, when, and I lived in Lebanon for a little bit when I was little, uh, for, for two years when I was seven. And that was where I first wrote poetry. I wrote my first poem at the age of seven when we were living in Beirut. Uh, and when I did that, um, my my parents were very moved, and they told me that um, that I was part of a sort of lineage of writing poetry. Essentially, that my um, my grandfather, my father's father, had uh, been a celebrated poet, and that um, that poetry was, you know, part of my inheritance, essentially, and that they were very happy to see me writing poetry. And I cannot stress enough how, like, the poem that I wrote when I was seven was not a work of staggering genius, you know, but it was, it was a poem and it was recognizable as such. Uh, and I absolutely still remember it. And, uh, and it was, it involved like a lot of playing with language with unfamiliar bits of it. And, um, and it was also addressed to the moon, you know, my, my grandfather's poetry was political, was, um, was was revolutionary um was part of this kind of lineage of speaking truth to power and of uh, being a voice for the voiceless and stuff like that 
And uh, my 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 address to the moon was not that, but <laughs> it was nevertheless um, something that showed my parents that I wanted to use language in the ways that he did as something transformative, as something that made the world different than it was otherwise. My father had memorized a lot of poems and would storytell with them. Um, and one of the ones that one of the ones that he told a lot because us kids asked for it a lot was The Cremation of Sam McGee by Robert Service, um, mm. which I love. I love it because my dad, it, I can hear my dad saying it. And my dad, when he read the poem, relied heavily on the rhyme and the meter. He leaned way into it as he read it. Um, my freshman year in college, uh, one of my professors... Uh, on an outing, told, you know, uh, recited the cremation of Sam McGee and was much more um, conversational is the wrong word, but more natural dialogue-y mm. with, the way, with the way things flowed. And I remember, you know, the, the first couple of stanzas thinking, wait, did he, are those the right words? No, oh. I've heard this enough that those are the right words. And then the whole rest of the poem, as I listened, I think poetry itself became unlocked for me because I realized, oh, the meter and the rhyme aren't the point. And the story isn't necessarily the point. It's, it's sort of this whole thing. And, and the poem has a life outside of what Robert Service gave it. The poem has a life that that is experienced differently depending on the listener and depending on the person who says it out loud. And okay, this was 17 year old, or maybe I was 18 at that time, 18 year old Howard having what at that time passed for an epiphany. Um, <laughs> but I still love that poem. And I still like sometimes reading it and hearing the different voices in my head, mm -hmm. uh, as I scan through it. Do you feel like one of them has like superseded the other in your head or that your own reading voice has sort of introduced a different natural cadence into it? Um, my voice dominates all of those at this point because uh, you know, my dad passed away when I was 20 and, you know, the reading I heard from uh, uh, Professor Lyons was, when I was 18 and I'm now 53. Hmm. So the voice that's in my head at this point is my own. Hmm. Um, but I cherish, and this, this I think comes back to poetry as meme. I cherish this mimetic series of events because there's a whole bunch of information compressed into that poem that Robert Service did not put in there. Huh. That's absolutely true. That's the way that um, I feel like a lot of us talk about uh, novels in this way too, that you read a different novel when you come to it at a different age, or that you might have, you know, one version of this novel in your head that, you know, gains or loses 
elements as you grow up um, and then revisit it as a different person, essentially. And to me, there's a lot of fantasy in that as well. There's a lot of, um, even though this is obviously a very, a very natural and observed progress of mortality, the idea of departure and return moving through time in these ways, or like the kind of time travel that feels inherent in, mm-hmm. in returning to something um, that you first experienced at a different age. All of that to me partakes of, of these relationships, of, of this kind of sense of the fantastic. There's this beautiful, beautiful essay uh, by Sophia Samatar um, called On the 13 Words That Made Me a Writer. And I, like like all of Samatar's work, I returned to her work uh, <laughs> on a bi-monthly basis, basically. I just reread her essays all the time because I always, they always speak to me in a way that I, I feel like I need at a given moment. And what she does in this essay is she talks about how for her, fantasy resides in language. Hmm. That um, when she was a child, I'll, I'll say like, so the, the 13 words in question are, There was a library, and it is ashes. Let its long length assemble. These words made me a writer. When I was in middle school, my mother brought home a used paperback copy of Mervyn Peake's Gormenghast, and so on. So she draws these uh, comparisons between like, so this was a fantasy novel. So she tried to then go and find other fantasy novels that would made, that would make her feel the way that this made her feel. And it became very hit or miss. She would get that feeling from some books, but not from others. And she came to realize that the thing that, that catalyzed this very specific feeling on her of wonder and awe and marvel uh, was more to do with the language that was being used than with the plots or characters or tropes uh, in a given story that might market it as fantasy. So she found Mm. herself finding that um, experience of fantasy in in books that were not marketed or labeled as such, Um, that that spirit of wonder and stuff like that she could find in lots of different places. And I feel that way about fantasy because it brings me back to this idea about what poetry does to language. So if poetry breaks language into meaning, I feel like fantasy breaks reality into truth, that what poetry does to language, fantasy does to reality, and that um, the experience that we get from it as as writers um, of, of genre fiction in so many different ways is that we're always figuring out ways to break and hack reality into a specific experience for our readers, right? Um, and that poetry is doing that too, but at the level of language uh, in a way that you can foreground or background as much as you like. But I also want to say that that literature has been poetry for a lot longer than it has been not poetry. <laughs> that we have um, that the novel is actually a very recent technology in terms of literature, mm-hmm. um, and poetry is is ancient. And similarly. Fantasy is ancient. Um, we have had, you know, domestic realism for a lot less time than we have had fantasy and the fantastic in our literature. Um, and I want to just give people the similarity because I want I want people who love reading science fiction and fantasy to look at poetry as as much theirs to play with, to read, to be moved and transformed by as the the stunning books that they read when they were twelve. 
So I, I have you, you've given me a thought that I wanna I wanna dive into, but first. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let us pause for the book of the week, which is Monster Portraits. Yes. So Monster Portraits by Sophia Samatar, um, whom I adore. Um, It's by Sophia Samatar and her brother, Del Samatar. Um, Del Samatar is an artist. And uh, and so the, the book Monster Portraits is a very slender book of <clears throat> um, fictionalized autobiography where... Um, Sophia Samatar is responding to the illustrations, these, these images that uh, that Dell has made, um, with snapshots that involve um, interrogations of uh, what is a monster, like thinking about monsters and monstrosity, and when those things are valued and when they are not valued. Thinking of those in relation to race, um, to borders, to belonging. Um, 
and uh, and it's just a, an absolutely luminous. I know luminous is like a massive cliche in terms of talking about <laughs> literature. I, I review books for a living. I, I'm too keenly aware of this, but genuinely reading this book gives me an experience of light that um, I, I just don't know how to talk about otherwise. Uh, it's deeply beautiful. Um, I, I just cannot recommend it enough. And if you wanted to read um, a book that kind of could be a bridge to you between prose and poetry, I cannot recommend this one enough for doing exactly that thing. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, so that was Monster Portraits by Sophia Samatar and Del Samatar. Um, so here's the thing that that was running through my head as you were talking. Um, there's there's a thing that longtime listeners will have heard me say before that one of the things that drew me to to puppetry is the same thing that drew me to SF and and fantasy, which is that it uh, it it takes reality and it tips it to the side so you can see the interconnective tissue. And mm-hmm. as you were talking, I was like, oh, okay, and that's what poetry does too. <laughs> But the the other thing that went through my head as you were talking was about why a person picks a particular form. And um, and there's this other idea that I often talk about, usually when I'm trying to explain to people what voice means. Mm. And that within puppetry, we, we have these three ideas. There's the aesthetic, the mechanical, and the personal. The aesthetic is, you know, what something looks like. The mechanical is literally like, what kind of puppet are you using? And uh, and the personal is, you know, all of the idiosyncratic choices that you as a person make. Um, and the example that I use is if you hand the same puppet to two different puppeteers, it will look like a different character. But what's occurred to me as you were talking is that I can take that kind of model and think of it as kind of which thing is, is the thing that drives you as a writer. The, the story you were telling with Sophia, that it was the language that pulled to her. And it's like, oh, that's that she is drawn to aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And and whereas I am, you know, there are a lot of people who are drawn to uh, the, the the plot, the, you know, the, the structural mechanics of a story. And then other people are drawn to the the, the kind of the, the personal story, the personal narrative, the message, so to speak, that's within it. And that, that kind of knowing which thing drives you as a writer also tells you where your defaults are and where your weaknesses are. Yes, I completely agree with that. That's so that's so helpful. <laughs> yes. I, I was like, oh, oh, that's that is part of why. Like uh, Pat Rothfuss talks about the fact that he needs to get the next word right before he can move on. And I've always been like, what's the point of him polishing words if you're not going to use them? <laughs> I, I'm going to cut it later. Use them if I, they're not polished. <laughs> Well, yeah, and and this is exactly the, the that's thing. The, that that's the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, and so so it it strikes me as a that that for listeners who are not naturally language driven, that one of the the really arguably, uh, you know, pa- most powerful reasons to to dive into this is because it gives you a different way to approach story. And it gives you a different understanding of the ways we communicate, and and uh, and it it basically tips your entire narrative form on its side to allow you to see the interconnective tissues. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful way of approaching that, and I, I completely agree. I'm I'm reminded, gosh, who was saying this? I'm mm, I'm not going to get this right. I think that Fonda Lee uh, at some point was talking about 
possibly had an article on tour.com or something that was about exactly this kind of thing about the writing outside of your comfort zone being to learn. If I'm not, I could be totally wrong that it wasn't Fonda Lee either, but mostly what I'm remembering is an article of figuring out where your facility is so that you can figure out in reverse, essentially, where your lack of facility is and so that you can work on those things. Um, and I love I love that thought of approaching, uh, like seeing that interconnective tissue and stuff, because I think too of how many, um, how many fantasy novels can, like already are maybe not thought of as ones that are um, poetry forward and stuff, but to me absolutely are because I, I know I'm thinking of something like Arkady Martin's um, A Memory Called Empire. Like it's it's written it's not written in a way that is um, you know difficult to to get into and stuff. It's very clear, but it's also very stylized. It's also very um, and poetry is like a thematic plot-based concern in the book. Um, You need to know poetry in order to be able to read the uh, bureaucratic documents that end up on your desk as an ambassador um, and stuff like that. And the crux of the novel, the, the, the climax of it is the writing of a poem, Hmm. which is something that is unbelievably difficult to pull off. Like this is where, you absolutely do not want to, you know, miss the mark with a piece of rhyme that is not landing in a way that is good. your whole plot depends on whether or not this is a good poem. Right. <laughs> and she absolutely nails it. Like, I think that the phrase is, I am a spear in the hands of the sun is like the last line of this. And on the back of that line, they build a revolution. And it's this whole enormous thing. Sorry, spoilers for a book that came out two years ago um but <laughs> it's it's just absolutely wonderful and 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 poetry is part of the texture of that book you know um and but i like i don't know if um if arkady would talk about herself as having written it poetically you know or of mm-hmm. um, but nevertheless there is this this sensibility i guess yeah um, to to that style to that aesthetic um that uh that is truly wonderful to me uh this has been fantastic um and and we are i'm afraid at the time which we need to wrap things up with our our time with poetry um so do you i would love dan you remember that thing that i read from robert service at the very beginning to you the yeah yeah it feels like closure. I'm just going to go. Okay, because okay. I have no idea what you're talking about, so do you, you do, do that thing. after the homework or before the homework? Have we done the homework yet? Nope. No. No, we did not do... Okay, do the homework. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Someone was looking up a poem instead of paying attention. <laughs> so, the... As sad as I am to to leave things here, I we have come to the homework part and talking about novels and about um, prose and poetry and to bring this all full circle. The homework I want to leave you with is I want you to find a favorite line from a novel or a short story 
uh, one that moved you really, really deeply, one that you kind of keep in your head every now and then. And I want you to take that line and use it as the epigraph for a poem. So essentially, you know, if you see a poem and there's like a single line in italics at the start before the poem actually starts, that's what I mean. I want you to use that line from a novel or a short story and I want you to write a poem following it. I want you to write a poem sparked by it, um, a kind of poetic tribute to whatever that line did to you. The reason I brought this up is that it feels like a poet's version of You're Out of Excuses, Now Go Write. <laughs> and it's from Robert Service. Oh. Lone amid the cafe's cheer, sad of heart am I tonight. Dolefully I drink my beer, but no single line I write. There's the wretched rent to pay, yet I glower at pen and ink. Oh, inspire me, muse, I pray. It is later than you think. Oh, oh that's lovely. And also so painful and so true. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm uh, as, as we send folks away, I'm going to um, also share my father's favorite poem, uh, by Ogden Nash, Further Reflections on Parsley. Parsley is Garsley. That poem reminds me of the time that someone auditioned for our high school musical by singing Minimum Wage by They Might Be Giants. <laughs> the only words in the song are minimum wage. He just shouted it and left the room. It was great. <laughs> Beautiful. Ben, do you have a poem you want to share before we wrap? Yes. I am going to uh, share a poem with you. This is one of my all-time favorites uh, by Brian Turner, who uh, was a uh, medic in Afghanistan and wrote a lot of poetry and then came home and uh, he was for a while the uh, poet laureate of the U.S. And his most famous poet it, poem is called Hear Bullet. If a body is what you want, then here is bone and gristle and flesh. Here is the clavicle-snapped wish, the aorta's opened valves, the leap thought makes at the synaptic gap. Here is the adrenaline rush you crave, that inexorable flight, that insane puncture into heat and blood. And I dare you to finish what you've started. Because here, bullet, here is where I complete the word you bring hissing through the air, here is where I moan the barrel's cold esophagus, triggering my tongue's explosives for the rifling I have inside of me. Each twist of the round spun deeper. Because here, bullet, Oof. here is where the world ends every time. Wow. Yeah. So with all of that, my dear listeners, you are out of excuses. Now go right. This episode of Writing Excuses was engineered by Marshall Carr and mastered by Alex Jackson. Your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dan Wells, Amal El Muhtar, and Howard Taylor. Thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash writing excuses. Hey. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.